Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. All right, let's get into the Word together. Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. A very familiar passage of Scripture, certainly, as we come to the Christmas season. And uh, today we're continuing on in our series, Christmas is Forgiving. And last Sunday we looked at Acts 4.12 where there was a name that was given. Today we're going to explore this passage where a son is given. A son is given. So if you have your Bibles open, follow along as I read and hear the word of God today. Isaiah 9 verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And may the Lord bless this morning the reading and the preaching of his word. The heart of Christmas can be captured in one word, a theological word, the word incarnation. Incarnation. C.S. Lewis spoke of the incarnation as the grand miracle. And it may very well be perhaps the most important miracle in all of Scripture. You see, the incarnation teaches us that that night in the stable in Bethlehem, that that child that was wrapped in swaddling cloth was God in the flesh. It was Emmanuel, God with us. And the reality of the incarnation changes absolutely everything. In the incarnation, we have the reality of Isaiah 9, verse 6, becoming true. A child being born and a son being given. It is the eternal son, the eternal Lagos, the second person of the Godhead coming to dwell among us, coming to rescue and to deliver us, coming to provide the salvation from sin that we desperately needed. And that changes everything for us this morning. It's what provides the hope that Christmas is really all about. So many of the songs that we sing this season remind us of the hope that the season brings. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes 
and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. O holy night, that beautiful Christmas hymn. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The incarnation, a son being given, the grand miracle of Scripture is really what Christmas is all about. But what does the incarnation do for us? What does the coming of a child and the giving of a son, what impact does that have upon our lives? Well, Isaiah 9 holds the answer for us this morning. Isaiah 9 is considered by many to be the centerpiece of Old Testament prophecy. It's this passage that points us to the beautiful truth of Christmas that will come. And in these words this morning, we find three truths concerning the incarnate Christ and the difference that he makes in our lives. So I want to walk back through the text with you this morning and highlight those for you today. First of all, I want you to realize that because Christ has come, a child was born and a son was given, the darkness has been shattered. Jesus shatters the darkness. The words of Isaiah here in our text this morning open with a very gloom picture, a very, very dark scene. He says, the people who walked in darkness, and how dark it was in Isaiah 9. There was despair all across the country. It was approximately 722. The nation of Israel would be overthrown by the aggressive Assyrian Empire to the north. Shalmaneser V would attack, lead his armies, and sack, overrun, and crush Israel in humiliating defeat. Loved ones would be brutally killed. Families would be broken up and destroyed. The land, which was once so plenteous, would be devastated. Economic havoc would be rampant. The once proud nation of the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, would be brought to its knees in shame, humiliation, and judgment. The people walking in darkness. But Isaiah says, because the sun has been given, a great light has shone, and that light shatters that darkness. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You see, the incarnate Christ makes all the difference. He pushes back the darkness that surrounds us. In the midst of their despair and their hopelessness, God sent a light into their world. And what a difference it made. The gloom of verse 1 that you read about there in Isaiah 9. We didn't read that text, but he said, There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. That gloom is transformed into rejoicing by the time we get to verse 3. Jesus makes the difference. The distress that we read about in verse 1 of Isaiah 9 is turned to joy by the time we get to verse 3. The oppression becomes a broken yoke. The darkness now turns to light. The shadow of death is overcome. All because Jesus Christ came into the world. Jesus shatters the darkness. He provides illumination in verse 2, and that leads to celebration in verse 3. Now, the darkness that the nation of Israel was facing here in Isaiah 9 was certainly a reality for them. It had a national implication. It was touching everything regarding their nation and their livelihood and their families and their lives. 
But the darkness also speaks to us of the darkness that encompasses the entire world and every human being. That we, we live in the darkness of sin. When you walk through scripture, when you look at the, the overarching story of scripture, it's amazing how often the images of light and darkness play out with each other. Especially when you come to the gospel of John. If you read through John's gospel carefully and slowly, you'll see so often that he is using uh, the play of light and dark. Darkness and light. And in fact, in John's gospel, we have him giving us the words of Jesus where he proclaimed, I am the light of the world in John 8. Well, that darkness that surrounds all of us is a darkness because of sin. It blinds us to the glories of God. It blinds us to the the, the glories of heaven. It blinds us to that which we desperately need. And we're trapped in sin. We're trapped in the oppression of sin. But the light of Christ shines at Christmas. And it breaks through that darkness and provides the hope, the joy, the celebration that we need. Jesus shatters the darkness. But then secondly, I want you to see in the text this morning that Jesus has secured our deliverance. And this really is at the heart of the prophecy here in Isaiah 9. In verses 3 through 5, the prophet reminds the people that he's addressing there of the great oppression that they have been under. They know what the Assyrians have done to them. They know what still lies ahead for several years. But yet, because the light of Christ is coming, because the Son is being given, there's great hope, there's celebration that can still be had. But more than that, deliverance is available. And that deliverance comes in verse 6. It comes through a child being born and a son being given. This is the heart of Christmas. This is the grand miracle that C.S. Lewis spoke about. This here describes for us the nature of that child. In verse 6, we find both the humanity and the deity of Christ coming together. I love how Isaiah puts it, the, the way that he addresses it. For to us, a child is born. That's his human nature. That's the, the baby. That's the, the fleshly side. To us, a son is given. That's his humanity, or excuse me, his deity. That's the eternal nature of Christ, the eternal son of God. He is given to us as God's gift for us. When we think about this incarnation of Christ, when we think about the son of God becoming uh, one of us, of taking on flesh and dwelling among us here, it's truly fascinating. And it truly needs to awe us and capture uh, our hearts, especially this season where we celebrate that. I think one of the things that we struggle with when we think about the incarnation and the coming of Christ at Christmas is that we don't realize what truly transpired. I, I think we have this image in our mind that for all eternity past, there was this little baby Jesus dwelling in the presence of God, there in human form. But that's not the case. Let me share a statement with you that that hopefully will engage your mind and make you think a little bit. There has never been a time when the Son was not, but there was a time when Jesus was not. The eternal Son of God has always been. He's always dwelt there in perfect unity with Father and Spirit. He is part of the eternal Godhead. He is the, the Word that John speaks of in John 1. The Word was God and the Word was with God. He has always been. However, 
Jesus did not come about until the Holy Spirit operated in the womb of a virgin to conceive a child. And then nine months later, when Christmas arrived here upon this earth, that child was born. We have the eternal word coming to dwell in flesh among us. And that changes everything. It's through that avenue of God becoming man that deliverance from our sins is available. Let me share with you the words of one theologian regarding the impact of this incarnation of Christ, of the coming of the Son of God as a Son of Man. He says, I don't think it is so much the mystery of a divine and human nature in one person that causes most people to stumble over the doctrine of the incarnation. The stumbling block is that if the doctrine is true, that is, if Jesus is in fact fully man and fully God, every single person in the world then must obey this one particular man. Everything he says is law. Everything he did was perfect. And the particularity of his work and word flow out into history in the form of a particular inspired book that claims a universal authority over every other book that has ever been written. This is the stumbling block of the incarnation. When God becomes a man, he strips away every pretense of man to be God. We can no longer do our own thing. We must do what this one man wants us to do. We can no longer pose as self-sufficient because this one man says we are all sick with sin and we must come to him for healing. We can no longer depend on our own wisdom to find life because this one man who lived for 30 obscure years in a little country in the Middle East says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When God becomes a man, man ceases to be the measure of all things. And this man becomes the measure of all things. This is simply intolerable to the rebellious heart of men and women today. The incarnation is a violation of the Bill of Human Rights when uh, written by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It is totalitarian, it's authoritarian, it's imperialism, it's absolutism. Who does he think he is? He's God. He's God in the flesh. And that changes everything. And because he is God come in the flesh, it provides for us the opportunity of deliverance from our sin. Let me share why the the identity of Christ in the incarnation is so important. First of all, why must he be a child that is born? That speaks of his humanity. Well, it's important that Jesus was fully God because in his full humanity, he provides for us representative obedience. He provides for us the representative before God that we we can't provide for ourselves. He's representative obedience for us. He provides for us a substitutionary sacrifice. Because he is fully God, or excuse me, fully man, he can stand in our place at the cross. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Uh, Mankind is the one that sinned, and because mankind is the one that sinned, mankind must be the one that dies. And Jesus, as man, died in our place. He died our death. He serves as our substitutionary sacrifice. His humanity allows him to fulfill God's purpose for man to rule over all creation. For man to rule over all creation. In the very beginning, in Genesis, as God created Adam and Eve, and he placed them there in the Garden of Eden, he gave them the order, he gave them the command uh, to, to exercise dominion 
over what he had created for them and placed them into. And ultimately, Adam and Eve failed in that. They disobeyed the commands of God. They transgressed his, his law. They transgressed his character. And they failed to rule over creation as God had intended for them to do. But Christ has come. And as fully man, he is now ruling and reigning over all creation. He fulfills that purpose for man. As fully man, he is our example and pattern in life. He shows us the way. And as fully man, he is able to be a sympathetic high priest who knows our struggles in this life as well. So his humanity is an essential component to our faith. But it's not just his humanity that matters. Isaiah says not only is he a child that is born, but he is a son who is given. And that speaks to us of his full deity, his full deity. And it's important that we remember that, in fact, uh, that baby there in the manger in Bethlehem on that first Christmas night, that was God. That was God in the flesh, fully God. And it's so important that we uphold that truth because only God could bear the full penalty for our sins. And only in the Lord can we find salvation. In Jeremiah chapter 17, the Bible tells us, Cursed is everyone who puts their trust and their hope in man. You see, if Jesus was just a good man, and nothing but man, and even a man who died on a cross, and we trusted in him for salvation, we would have no salvation. Because mankind cannot save. Only God can save. So it's important then that we realize his full deity and his full humanity. We understand his nature, his ability to deliver us, his affinity with us. John Phillips said it well, the great mystery of the manger is that God should be able to translate deity into humanity without discarding the deity or distorting the humanity. A child is born, a son is given. By his nature, deliverance from our sin has come. But we also see here in verse number six that this, this child is given a name. We looked at this uh, briefly last Sunday as we were looking at Acts 4, verse 12. He delivers us not only by his nature, but by his name as well. Here in, in Isaiah 9, 6, he's a child with four names. He's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Jesus is our counselor. He's our defender. He's our father. He's our comforter. In him, deliverance is found. And then finally this morning, as we think about the words of Isaiah 9, not only do we see that the son given brings uh, light to darkness, he secures our deliverance, but thirdly, he has a sure dominion. He has a sure dominion. There's much said in these verses about government and ruling. The nation of Israel was looking for one who would provide peace and harmony. Someone who would provide a, a government of stability. And here in these verses, the prophet Isaiah reminds them that this child, this son, he's going to be one who rules and reigns forevermore. In verse 7, the prophet tells us the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Jesus, this child born, this son given, he rules completely. He rules powerfully. 
And he rules eternally. He rules today. And the question that we've got to consider this morning is, does he rule and does he reign in our hearts? Is he ruling over our lives this Christmas season? What a glorious hope it is to know that we have one who rules and reigns over all and and his rule will never cease, his government will never come to an end and he rules with justice and with righteousness. Such a far cry from what we see in so many of the political platforms and settings of our world today. But Jesus Christ has a sure dominion. A sure dominion. This morning as we wrap things up, I want to focus in with you for just a second on this last line of our text today. As I was reading through the passage and thinking over the words of Isaiah 9, this last line really just jumped out to me. It's the promise that Isaiah is giving to his people from the Lord that what he shared in the verses that we've looked at will in fact come to pass. That Christmas will in fact become a reality. That this child will be given, the son will be born. Look at what he says at the end of verse 7. The zeal, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That word zeal there is such an interesting word. It speaks of God's excitement, of God's longing, of God's passion, of God's energy at work to accomplish what Isaiah has just shared. God was excited to bring Christmas to be. God was excited to give his son in the form of a child to be born. God was excited to shine a light into darkness, to offer deliverance from sin, to see his son established in a strong dominion forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this great work. Have you ever read Luke 2? Luke gives us the account there of the shepherds watching their flocks at night on that first Christmas evening and suddenly... The angels of heaven appear, the sky above them, and the angel declares uh, that Christmas message, uh, good news, great joy for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior is Christ the Lord. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Could you imagine what that must have been like? Could you imagine the celebration that was going on in heaven that night as they were announcing the birth of this child and the son that was given? Do you know why it was that way? Do you know why it happened in that fashion? Because the zeal of the Lord. Because God was excited and passionate about doing so. About bringing his son into this world to save sinners like us. So I want to encourage you this Christmas season as we think about what Christ has done. Coming as God incarnate, God in the flesh, fully man and fully God, coming to die in our place, to bear our sin, to provide salvation, coming to shine a light into darkness, coming to establish his kingdom forevermore. Let's be excited about that. Let's have a zeal about Christmas, a passion about what God has done to save sinners like us. Let's pray this morning.